What's up, guys? Conor O'Hanlon here for another episode of the Con O Show, and this is the 2020 election preview episode of the Con O Show. I am your host, Conor O'Hanlon. I'm coming at you from the Koru Real Wellness Studio um, here in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. I am excited. I am nervous. I am anxious. I am worried. I am happy. I am all of these things rolled into one because this is it. This is the last episode before the 2020 election happens. That is not to say that we will know by the next episode who won, but that is to say all the voting will have been done by the time you hear me next. So this episode is my prediction video, my concerns. Um, I'm going to tell you who you should be voting for if you live in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, if you live in Pennsylvania at, at large. Um, and then I'm going to get into predictions for the Senate and for the granddaddy of them all, the presidential election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. That's going to be the last part, so stick around if you're really interested in that. Uh, or you could fast forward. I suggest you don't fast forward because you want to hear me, definitely. So <laughs> we're going to start with uh, hyperlocal uh, to an extent because I think that it's important that we recognize here in Pennsylvania, and a lot of my listeners are from Pennsylvania, uh, but we got to recognize that the state house and state senate are on the line which basically means that anything that governor wolf wants to do or anything that we want to do on a local scale is on the line whether that be protections for covid legalizing recreational marijuana which someday i will get john fetterman on this podcast i promise that is my goal if you're watching this tweet at john fetterman tag me in it um and get him on this show because i would love to have him on this show but for everything that they want to do, we need to make sure that we elect good representatives in the state house and in the state senate. Where I live here in Bucks County, it's just state uh, house races, basically. We have our congressional seat as well. So everything I'm going to run through here in the beginning is um, hyper local. So we're going to talk about each congressional or each state congressional district in the Bucks County area, and we're going to start building up. So it's going to start here. We're going to build up to the presidential election, okay? So, to start, we're going to go in numerical order. I'm going to tell you the Democrats, how many, um, or who who I suggest that you vote for in these uh, districts. If you live in one of them, I will list the municipalities where they're at. This is not going to be the most sexy part of the video, but this is important because if you don't know who to vote for in, say, you know, if you live in Ben Salem you should know before you head to the polls and you have a few days before the final decision on this. And before I dive right into that, I will put the caveat in. <clears throat> if you have not voted already and you have a mail-in ballot, fill the ballot out, put it in the drop box as soon as you can. This is not a drill. This is it. Put it in the drop box. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Try not to um, go to the ballot with your mail-in ballot because you're going to uh, start clogging up the lines for people because of how long it'll take to spoil the ballot. You can do that if you cannot bring it to the ballot box. You can do that. I suggest you please don't. Um, but if you don't have a mail-in ballot, uh, or I, I should put the caveat in first. If you have a mail-in ballot, do not mail it in. Do not mail it in. Go put it in the Dropbox. Go put that in the Dropbox. If you did not request a mail-in ballot, go vote in person if you must. Please, 
This is it. I know with COVID, it is scary, but if you did not request the mail-in ballot, this is arguably life and death for many people. So please, get out and vote. I will preface this entire PA House uh, section with the, the numerical uh, imperative that we must take to flip the state house and it is nine seats nine that's it we have one two three four five six seven eight nine ten races just in bucks county that can flip this uh flip the control now there's not enough to just sweep bucks county and flip the entire state house but we're close so if we can flip all of these or and hold wherever we've we have incumbents and flip just a handful more we have democratic control for the first time in decades. This plus four state um, state uh, Senate districts across Pennsylvania, we don't have any up right now, but if we can do that, we will be in very good shape here in Pennsylvania, okay? So I'm going to go through these quickly, but if you live in Ben Salem, you should be voting for Howie Hayes or how. Um, he, he goes by Harold on the ballot uh, in Pennsylvania's 18th House District. That is Ben Salem, all of Ben Salem. If you live in Ivyland Borough, Buckingham, Warminster, or Warwick, you should be voting for Marlene Katz. Both of those are not incumbents. Those are challengers. Um, and that's the 29th District. In the 31st District, you have Perry Warren, who is an incumbent. We must hold on to this seat. He is in Lower Makefield, Morrisville, Newtown, Yardley. If you live in Pennsylvania's 140th district, which is Bristol Borough, the township, Fall, uh, Bristol Township, part of it, Fall, part, uh, all of Falls Township, Middletown Township, Morrisville, and Tullytown, you should be voting for John Galloway, who is also an incumbent. If you are in the 141st, she is also an incumbent, and that is Tina Davis. You should be, if you live in Bristol Township, uh, Humesville, Middletown Township, or Pendell, that is Tina Davis, another incumbent. That those are those three seats alone are huge to hold on to. We have another incumbent coming up later in my district, uh, Lauren Leroux in the 142nd district, which is Langhorn Borough, Langhorn Manor, Lower Southampton, Middletown Township, and Upper Southampton. If you are a progressive and you're watching the show and you live in Lauren's district, Lauren was getting. Uh, Bernie on the ballot. She helped get delegates for Bernie on the ballot. She is a progressive, and and she another vote for much more progressive um, legislation here in Pennsylvania. Then we go to the 143rd where I live. The incumbent Wendy Ullman, who was a former teacher, she's getting attacked for basically being pro-choice. She is one of the most attacked politicians in this election because she holds the vital um, heart of Central Bucks, which is Doylestown, which is where I live. That is key. She must hold on to that seat. We must hold on to that seat and we should help her. So if you live in the 143rd, which is Bedminster, Bridgeton, Buckingham, Doylestown, Borough and Township, if you live in Doylestown and you don't know me, reach out to me ASAP. Durham, Haycock, Nakamixon, Plumstead, Regalsville, and Tinicum. As you can tell, there are tons of 
um, municipalities in the 143rd. This is a gerrymandered district. This is not a district that is meant for Democrats to win, but Wendy Ullman won it in 2018, and she's going to do it again in 2020 with your help. In the 144th, we have Gary Spillane, which is Chalfont, uh, Dublin, Hilltown, New Britain Borough, New Britain Township, Silverdale, Telford, Warrington. He is a challenger. We need to flip that seat. Todd Polinchuk is a Republican there. Terrible. And then we have in the 145th, we have Robin Colagesi. Uh, Not the easiest uh, last name to pronounce, but it's very Italian, and I can appreciate that, being half Italian. Um, and that's in the 145th. East Rock Hill, Milford, Perkasy, Quakertown, Richland, Rich uh, Richland Town, um, Sellersville, Springfield, Trumbarsville, West Rock Hill. That is the hardest seat to flip right there. If you if you had to ask me, that is the challenge because in Quakertown and Upper Bucks County is way more red. We can do it. And then last, we have Anne Marie Mitchell in the 178th, which is New Hope, Northampton, Solbury, Upper Makefield, and Wrightstown. Anne-Marie is going to be in a tough race. They're spending a lot of money in that race. If she can pull it off, we're going to have a good sign. If we can look at a specific one race in this, though, I'll suggest is if you look at my district, the 143rd, that is the bellwether. I will suggest to you that if the 143rd is won by Joe Biden and is won by Wendy Ullman, we're in good shape in Pennsylvania. That's my prediction Please, please make it happen. If you live in any of these districts, if you live in anywhere other than Bucks County, get involved. I know I just rattled off a bunch of information, but it is vital. If you are not from Bucks County or wherever, I'm sorry that you had to sit through that. But this is this is go time. This is no time to be um, messing around talking about anything else. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Next, we have... As we build up towards the presidential election, um, we have the PA01 race. And so I'm not going to make any predictions on the state house races. I don't have any polling on these things. Um, I will, again, I will suggest that Wendy Allman's seat is the one that we have to um, watch. Uh, the, w- the biggest challenge will be in the 145th, in my opinion. Uh, there are some that are more easily won and then obviously incumbents have the upper hand if we can flip at least three of these we're going to be in good shape across the state but i think we can do more um but the pao1 race so the first congressional district is all of bucks county and a little sliver of montgomery county if you don't live in the in the first congressional district don't worry this still applies because pao1 is a federal office this is our congressional district And I want to take a second here to talk about this race because as someone that is a progressive, um, it's important that we vote strategically. I'm wearing a Medicare for all shirt, obviously. So uh, I stand with my principles. And I just want to say that just because I'm going to put this caveat in here because we're talking again, we're talking about the most stark election that we've probably ever had when it comes to partisanship and why it's important to vote for a certain person. So if you're a progressive, please, please, I implore you to vote for the Democratic Party in this election. Um, I am definitely to the left of our congressional um, candidate, Christina Finello, but she will fight 
tooth and nail better for the working class people, the middle class, the people in poverty in Bucks County and in this country a thousand times better than Brian Fitzpatrick would. And if you don't know who Brian Fitzpatrick is, he is the, quote, most independent congressperson in our congressional uh, House of Representatives. It's complete BS because he votes with Trump the vast majority of the time. He is a Republican to his core. Now, the only thing that you could probably say about him is that he didn't he's not really for appealing the ACA, which is okay. Um, That's a very low baseline to consider yourself decent or good. But, um, you know, (laughs) the bar is is low, generally speaking, for their party because of what Trump's done to it. Um, So Brian Fitzpatrick doesn't represent Bucks County. Um, Christina has grown up here. She's worked here. She's a member of the community. She's worked for the county. Uh, and again, I helped run a primary in a, in a campaign against her in the primary. And I'm telling you, I 110% support um, Christina in this election. Because, again, we're the primaries are when we fight our fights. And look, even our primary wasn't perfect. So we need to put things uh, behind us. And this is going to come up later when we talk about voting for Joe Biden. I haven't had any comments on my videos saying like, no, I'm not voting for Joe Biden, whatever. I'm sure some of you guys are out there. I'm telling you, this is so imperative that we vote for the Democrats in this election. Um, Yeah, Christina actually comes from a working class family. She's from a union family. There's a million different things. Uh, and, and I'm telling you up front, we disagree on policies the same way. Uh, uh, I'm sure a few of these house, uh, candidates, I disagree with them. I'm to the left, but it is not just a marginal improvement, a major improvement. If we get another seat in the house and we get all these seats in the state house, we're talking about reforms across the board. So the polling in this race is very it's I'm not gonna say it's shoddy it's just hit or miss it's um it's very iffy like I don't know how much I can believe in it which is not to it's not to put doubt in um any of you guys um or in the Finello campaign not that they're listening to me um but if they were or if you are and you live in the district it's close it's very very close. And I will put this out there and say that anyone that is close to Fitzpatrick in this district is doing a very good job. Um, so Christina also, I mean, I've seen conflicting reports on fundraising. Um, the fundraising has been, uh, neck and neck in the last quarter. They, both campaigns have reported that they set records. Um, I believe technically, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who's really telling the truth. I haven't read through the reports, to be honest with you. But they're almost both at a million dollars in the last quarter, which is a lot of money. Just the fact that a challenger has about the same amount of money to me shows that it's a serious race. Um, and you're talking about, again, you're talking about a a congressman 
who isn't saying no to pack money. He's not saying no to big corporations. He's not saying no to this stuff. And he's still neck and neck in fundraising with Christina. Um, Brian Fitzpatrick is not an independent. He is a Republican. Christina will represent us. So vote Finello on November 3rd or in your mail-in ballots and drop it off. My prediction for this race is that it's a genuine toss-up. I think this race goes with the presidential race. I think that if Joe Biden carries Pennsylvania, I think we can get Christina over the uh, finish line. If Trump wins, I think that uh, Brian Fitzpatrick might pull it off. Um, we will dive into the individual states on my prediction for the presidential election later, but I think the way that this district goes is the way that the state goes. Um, more so, this, the district is going to follow the state more so than this, the district leading the state in the same way that, uh, in, the, in the opposite way that I think that the 143rd actually represents how the state will go, um, just because that's the key, a key, one of those keys. Um, Bucks County has been blue, uh, in 2018 and 2019, we flipped our County commissioner's races here. I ran in 2019. I lost by 38 votes, but we flipped one seat here in Doylestown township, which is a historically Republican area. The, the signs are there. It's possible. It's very, very possible. I'm not, I don't feel great on either on this prediction of saying just like yes it's definitely Christina or yes it's definitely going to be Brian I am not sure this is one of those that I just have to say this could easily go either way and I I will point out here that and again that anybody that is putting up this significant of a challenge against Fitzpatrick, a, a household name in Bucks County, which is not hit because of him, it's because of his brother, but because of that, there he is at an advantage. So anyone that is within you know the margin of error or some polls have Christina leading, that is good. We can work with that. So help with Get Out the Vote weekend if you can on that. Lastly, before we take a break, is the statewide elections here in Pennsylvania. These, these are not, again, they're not the, you know, sexiest positions of like, oh yeah, we're going to go pass Medicare for all or the Green New Deal, which, you know, Congress can do that. Um, but not, not these positions. We have the Attorney General, Auditor General, and Treasurer. Um, n again, none of these are like going to be the most household name. They're not going to be the the icon of progressivism, but they're in the right direction. And all of these, the same way that the state house work with the uh, governor, lieutenant governor, the Senate, these will work within the executive branch of Pennsylvania's um, state government. So it's important that we have somebody that's of good character, of the right political philosophies, uh, generally speaking. So the Attorney General, we have Josh Shapiro versus Heather Heidelbog. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Doesn't really matter. Probably won't say her name again. Um, 
I would suggest that you vote for Josh Shapiro in this. Shapiro is not the most progressive when it comes to attorney generals, but again, you're talking about someone that could actually help enforce legalization of uh, marijuana here in Pennsylvania versus someone that opposes that or uh, any sort of criminal reform. So Josh Shapiro is the choice in that race for sure. Next, we're going to go to um, Auditor General. Auditor General is an interesting one because they help with um, basically auditing the government um, and how like government funds are spent. I have a unique perspective on well, so all the House candidates I've met, but I've I've met every I met everybody that was running for Auditor General in the primary, which which gave me a unique perspective as I got to speak to them. Um, I was stuck in between two candidates. It was Nina Ahmad, who is our candidate, and Tracy Fountain, which both of them were very qualified women that um, stood out to me. Uh, I thought that we needed, and plenty of people agreed, that we needed some sort of diversity instead of having just, you know, a bunch of white guys on the ballot. Um, And they're extremely qualified and extremely Right. I got to speak to, again, I got to speak to all of them, but I, in particular, uh, I met Nina and Tracy both at a Our Revolution event in Harrisburg, and I, I, was re- I was really torn between the two of them. I ended up voting for Nina in the primary, and she ended up winning. The, pro- the progressives kind of united around her as the candidate, and I will suggest that you vote for Nina Ahmad on November 3rd for Auditor General to have a progressive in there who worked for the Obama administration. She's a scientist. Um, I'm not sure if she's a CPA. Um, I know Tracy Fountain was a CPA. But regardless, you're talking about somebody that is progressive and that actually has worked within government before. Um, lastly, we have the treasurer. You know, again, this is not president but um, it's George, uh, sorry, not George, Joe Torcella versus Stacey Garrity. And I will suggest that you vote for Joe, Joe Torcella for that, um, that position. That is all for the Pennsylvania's elections. That I know was a lot of information. If you don't live in Pennsylvania, again, I know that's a lot, but these are some races that you can follow. So if you live in like New Jersey and you're watching this or you're listening to this, these are important races you can check on election night or the couple days after to get an idea of how Pennsylvania is going. All eyes are going to be on our election. Um, all eyes are going to be on Pennsylvania. And I think this is a good time to fit this in before I start going into the national stuff. The likelihood with Amy Coney Barrett being confirmed, what is it? couple days ago um on monday the likelihood of being overturned on the ruling about mail-in ballots being received late in pennsylvania that is very likely um and most most significantly that will possibly throw the election in pennsylvania possibly might not be the most likely but it's possible to be thrown towards donald trump now I hope that's not the case, but it is it is at least a 30 to 40 percent chance. Um, so if you are voting, 
by mail, deliver it to the Dropbox. Deliver it to the Dropbox. If you live in Philadelphia, deliver it to the Dropbox. If you live in Pittsburgh, deliver it to the Dropbox. If you live in Michelle Siegel's district, deliver it to the Dropbox. Please, if you live in Lehigh, if you live wherever you go, wherever you live, all eyes are on us. All eyes are on Pennsylvania. If it's if this election is reasonably close, my prediction has it reasonably close. That's not to say I'm right, but my prediction has it close. And we need to step up to the plate and we have to knock it out. We have to convince whoever's left to go and vote and vote for our candidates. With that being said, I will be right back and we will dive into some more federal elections outside of Pennsylvania to watch as bellwethers and as close um, as close elections when it comes to flipping the Senate to Democratic control and flipping the White House to Democratic control. Welcome back to part two of the Kano Show. I am Connor O'Hanlon, your host, and this is the 2020 election coverage preview from the Kano Show. And we obviously just went over a bunch of Pennsylvania races. We're now going to move on from Pennsylvania to um, many other states that have Senate races. I'm not much, I'm not really going to cover too many other house races. I don't know all that much about specific house races uh, outside of where I live because of how hyper focused I've been on some things like that. I'm sure there are ones that are outstanding, but in particular, we need to flip the Senate. So this is why I'm going to focus on that for today. Um, here and there, I might sprinkle in some information about just what I know about certain uh, districts and whatnot. But we're going to focus mostly on the Senate. Because the Democrats need to pick up, I believe it's four seats. Technically, they're at a four-seat deficit right now. Um, assuming that the two, you have the two independents, Bernie Sanders and the other guy, Angus Canning, King, I think, that are independents. Um, so we have to flip this to at least 51-49. Um, I think we have a good chance of doing better than that. But... In the Senate, we have 23 Republican seats that are up for re-election versus 12 seats that are up for Democrats. Here in Pennsylvania, we have zero. Um, Pat Toomey's seat will be up in 2022. But this year, um, for everybody else that's watching, you might have a uh, a Senate race. We're going to start in alphabetical order. Um, The first one is Alabama, which is... Doug Jones versus Tommy Tuberville or Tuberville. Doug Jones is the Democrat that ran against Roy Moore, who is the alleged child sexual assault, sexual assaulter. I don't know how you would say that. I don't know exactly what was proven, what was not. He's alleged to have had much misconduct conduct with young women. Um, and Doug Jones beat him. Luckily, in Alabama. Unfortunately for us, uh, this doesn't look great. And I believe Tommy Tuberville is a 
football coach, and I think it was for Auburn at some point, and he's a moron, um, <laughs> straight up, um, at least when it comes to, to politics, and he's probably going to win. My first prediction here is that Doug Jones will lose that seat. So that is a Democratic seat that we will probably lose. It's not that hard to believe that we're going to lose a seat in Alabama. Just the fact that we had one was kind of shocking. But with that being said, that's that's a minus one for us. Uh, it's a, not a good start. But there is good news. We'll move on. We have Arizona, which has Mark Kelly versus Martha McSally, which is the incumbent. Martha McSally, I believe, filled in for John McCain when he passed away uh, in that special election. Um, she has been trying to frame herself as a moderate. Arizona is not, you know, a deep, deep red state in comparison to other states. Um, the fact that there's there's like a cluster of those states out there that really should be Democratic states, but like Colorado, which we will talk about in a second, that they just don't get the representation that you would think they have. So Martha McSally was trying to frame herself as a moderate. She's not a moderate. She voted to repeal the ACA, and she's been attacked on that very thoroughly. My prediction for that will be that based on the 2018 swing with Kristen Cinema, who uh, won a, state, a Senate seat in 2018 with that blue wave, I believe the numbers will carry forward in 2020. The polls look decent, and... That way, I think we'll pick up a seat for Mark Kelly. That will be an even evening the score for Alabama. Next, we'll go to Colorado, which we have John Hickenlooper, which, you know, he ran for president, versus Cory Gardner, who is the Republican incumbent. This one has Hickenlooper leading in the polls, and Colorado is a liberal state. Colorado should have a Democratic senator in this seat. The lead is big. Um, and I, I want to believe that this is a, you know, a knockout easy pickup, but not sure, uh, how easy it'll be, but I will predict that Hickenlooper wins with a decent margin, decently large. I'm going to say like three to four percentage points, which, you know, in a statewide election is pretty big. Um, so that's, that'll be a two to one for the Democrat pickup. Um, next we have David Perdue versus John Ossoff in, uh, Georgia. Georgia is a special state for this election. We'll we'll dive into a little bit on my presidential selection, but it is close and it is a swing state at this point. With Atlanta and other other major metropolitan areas in Georgia, it gets it's kind of like I would say it's kind of becoming like Pennsylvania in a, in a sense where it could go either way. It probably should be Democratic, though. And Ossoff ran in that special election in the House race. Um, I believe it was in 2017. But uh, this is a different race. This is a different monster. When you're running statewide, things obviously get complicated because you have unknown unknown things like what will rural turnout be? What will uh, urban turnout be? What And this is a turnout election. So... We really don't know. Um, polling doesn't look great 
but it looks closer than other previous Senate elections in the past. Um, it really is a another one of those ones that is tied to how the state goes. This election will go. It's not. It's not so clear cut that like someone's going to be splitting their ballot for you know David Perdue and Joe Biden. I don't see that happening. Um, not to not on a large extent, but there's the other case though is that there is a Georgia special election with another Senate seat up where uh, Raphael Warnock is leading in a it's a jungle primary and a jungle primary or not a primary sorry a jungle election which is just where you have multiple candidates and if you don't get over 50% plus one vote you don't win the seat you have to actually get 50% plus one Warnock is leading he has about 30 percentage points 31 32 percent in the polls which means he's winning but he won't win outright, which will mean that there is a another runoff election. So between these two seats, I see the likelihood of um, John Ossoff pulling up, pulling off the upset is unlikely. If there is an overwhelming turnout, which it's looking good, and I'm ho- I hope to be wrong on this one um, in particular, I don't. I don't see Asaf pulling it off right now. Um, so it'll be a, an even two to two at this point. And I'll say that the, the Warnock race is an, a total unknown. So that'll just be like a, an, an NA because the runoff, we don't know. We can't even possibly predict what's going to happen between now and January. And I believe the runoff would be in, held in January. God help us uh, between now and then. Um, hopefully, we do pick up uh, Warnock in the Senate. I, I believe he's rather progressive, um, but this might that uh, that seat might be the deciding seat for the Senate. So we might see millions and millions of dollars poured into that election if it's a you know a fifty to forty nine or however you want to uh, slice it up with the Democrats needing one more to uh, get the majority. Um, next, we'll go to Iowa. Iowa is a an interesting case because I looked at the polls and I was rather I was rather shocked at how close Iowa was. Um, I would have predicted that Iowa would have been pretty solidly red, but I, I was wrong, and it's it's actually. It's actually like nearly a toss-up race um, between Joni Ernst and Teresa Greenfield. Um, Joni Ernst is the Republican incumbent, and she again there there are some of these Republicans that have tried to posture as moderates in the recent you know year. It doesn't work. We don't buy it. So I believe that um, based on the 2014 election of of Joni Ernst, uh, she was in a close race. Um, Chuck Grassley, who is one of the most vile senators, he won pretty large. Like, I think it was like a 14% or 15% in 2016. But with polling being close, uh, and with, um, with her election, Joni Ernst's election in the 2014 midterm being close, I, I predict that this is a pickup for the Democrats. I believe that 
Greenfield could beat Joni Ernst with a good turnout. And I think that this is one of those that it's so, it's close enough that I feel comfortable saying that just given a good turnout, the Democrats can pick up the seat. Um, next, we'll go to Maine. And Maine has one of those good old posturing uh, moderate Republicans as well, Susan Collins. But I think Susan Collins is done for. And she's going against Sarah Gideon. And I love that last name because it reminds me of Magic the Gathering. Um, <laughs> but uh, Gideon is leading in, a poll, in the polls. Susan Collins has voted wrong in a new in numerous ch- chances she had to prove that she was a quote moderate she voted for brett kavanaugh i believe she voted for the repeal of the aca um at, at some point she's done nothing to prove that she's a moderate she's in maine which is a solidly you know m- maybe it's not new york but it is pretty solidly blue she's done um the polling suggests that she's she's done and uh oh and also the impeachment vote she voted to not impeach uh, or convict Donald Trump, Trump because she's in the Senate. She doesn't vote to impeach, but she votes to convict. Um, so I think she's done. I think she did it to herself. Her political grave has been dug. We just have to finish it. Um, and so I predict that Gideon wins. It's another pickup for the Democrats. Then we'll go over to Michigan. So we'll go out a little bit west. And Michigan, Michigan is... Uh, this is one that I have to say, uh, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky. Um, I, I inherently have a distrust for polling in Michigan. Um, and it's just because of my pure Bernie broness because in 2016, Bernie outperformed the polls so by so much that it was amazing. So I have like a little bit of a, a distrust for those polls it's nothing that like really is scientific or it's just a feeling. It's really just a feeling. But we have Gary Peters, who's the incumbent Democrat versus John James, who's the Republican. Uh, it's a very low key race. Um, so I think it will be very close, but I think the Democrats will be able to hold on to this. I'll talk more about Michigan in my presidential ana- analysis, but this is one that could go either way, the Senate race. Um, and I think it's possible that it will just follow the presidential election which in in my prediction isn't good but it's like a there's like a three-point gap with joe biden and donald trump four-point gap maybe with michigan michigan's one of the tighter races in those michigan wisconsin and pennsylvania states so if if there is one where the state will go for trump and also elect a senator that's a Democrat. I believe that Michigan could possibly do it. Um, so I'm going to predict that Peters holds the seat because the incumbency does help. Um, next, we'll go to Montana. We'll go out a little more west. And we have Stephen Daines, who is the incumbent Republican, versus Steve Bullock, which, yes, Bullock, which is just fun to say. Um, Daines won pretty big in 2014 in his in his uh, previous election. But in 2018, the Democrats won by 3%. Um, So I would consider this really another toss-up, like a genuine toss-up. But the the polling suggests and incumbency suggests that Danes will probably hold the seat. It will be close, and you know Michigan and Montana; those could be interchangeable with who would who would win. Maybe the Democrat wins Michigan, 
and the Republican wins Montana or vice versa. Um, either one is possible, but I'll suggest that the Republican probably holds the seat here just because of incumbency and the polling gap. Next, we'll go to North Carolina. In North Carolina, we have Tom Tillis versus Cal Cunningham. Um, Tom Tillis is the Republican incumbent. Um, it is another extremely close race. North Carolina is definitely a swing state. It's definitely one of those purplish ones. Um, being that it's so close to Virginia, you'd think it's a little bit better um, at being Democratic, but it's not. Uh, North Carolina, we had the bathroom bans and all that good stuff, right? Um, all that cultural BS that we have to fight against, um, the transphobia and all that good, great stuff. Um, <laughs> obviously I'm kidding if you can't tell how satirical I'm being. Um, but you know, the NBA even wanted to leave there, but, uh, the race is close and I think this is a turnout race. This is a, a, um, a democratic possibly a democratic pickup um we we need to get people fired up it is not a gimme by any means but i i am i'm i think it's safe to say that we could we could possibly pick this seat up the trick here again is that tr i i think trump is is borderline winning in North Carolina that is going to be concerning. Um, I have him in my prediction winning North Carolina, but it's only in a, a lean red. Uh, so it's possible to both pick up the Democratic seat while losing the state, the state to Donald Trump. Don't know how lucky all that or how likely any of that is, but it's definitely possible. And then uh, lastly, we have Texas, where we have John Cornyn, who's the re uh, Republican incumbent and MJ Hager. Um, if you've been paying attention to polling data or like projections, Texas has been labeled a toss up, which I don't know how much I can really believe that at this point. It's, it's if true, it's great. If not, it's also not like the end of the world. It's still Texas. Um, People have been saying this for a long time, ever since I've been paying attention, but it's hard to really say. Um, I would suggest that John Cornyn's probably going to hold on to the seat. I've never heard of MJ Hager, which is not good because I pay attention to a lot of politics. And I believe if Beto ran in this election, he probably would have won. I don't know why Beto didn't run this election. I think he even like even after he dropped out of the presidential election, he could have done this. I I think that's the selfish nature of some people that he he couldn't, you know, do that. I could be misreading that for sure. If you like Beto, sorry, but I think he kind of blew it on this election and he had the chance to j get John Cornyn out of there, which is a, a rather very, like a really conservative Republican. But with that, we have the pickup in these swing elections as a six, uh, six to four democratic to Republican pickup, which would make it a, I believe a 50, 50 basically 
with the one seat that's an NA. There may be other seats that flip. There may be seats that I'm missing that are just straight up like, yeah, no, the Democrat has that. Um, I'm I'm not saying that it's 100% sure, but it uh, according to 538, the Democrats take control of the Senate 74 out of 100 scenarios, which is good. If you if you told me I have a 74% chance of winning, I'd be very happy. Um, it's not it's not good enough. Like we could always improve that, but I will take 74 out of 100 for right now, given that it's a week out. Not even a week; it's less than a week out from election day. Um. So, we're going to spend this last section here on the presidential election. I want to preface this with, this is my best guess. This is just a guess, and if you think you disagree, you can leave a comment down below and let me hear it. I will put, I'm going to put up on either here or here my prediction map. Um, that's what I'm looking at here. So... I'm going to go over some, you know, some of the states that I, I switched based on polling, some of the ones that um, I have that gut feeling. Let's first take a look at Florida. In recent polling, it is very, very close. I believe it was a Biden plus one. I have it leaning Republican because I have a sinking feeling that Florida is one of those states that is lost right now for Democratic for Democratic uh, elections, for president at least. With so many in the Northeast, uh, the a lot of them are the Northeastern Republicans. They move down to Florida when they retire. Uh, that's not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people do that. I just think it skews the population towards a certain group that would be more likely to vote Republican than than to vote Democrat. Uh, there's a big Cuban community, which usually is the uh, the one slice of the Hispanic uh, community that votes Republican overwhelmingly. The Hispanic community kind of splits. It's probably about 60-40 between the two parties, but Cubans in particular are way more likely to vote Republican. And since there's such a high density of Cubans in Florida, I'm going to predict that Florida is going to go to Trump. Um, I, I think that in the future we can pull back on Florida. It just depends. Um, it depends on how we go about it. There is definitely electoral strategies to do that. Next, we'll go to North Carolina. I've labeled North Carolina as a lean Trump state. And, you know, I'm kind of doing the, the bad ones first, um, <laughs> because these are the bad news ones that I have projected. Um, I just, again, this is this is based on some polling. It's based on some bit of gut feeling. North Carolina is, uh, it's sketchy to me. It's not like a, a secure feeling of, yeah, no, of course Biden has that. Uh, it's just not reliable in any sense. Um, and the same way goes for Georgia. I've labeled Georgia a Trump state because the polling is close. The polling is very close um, within margin of error in most of the time, but it is, it's not a gimme. There's no guarantee that it'll swing towards us in this election. Uh, I have to hope that um, we can pull it out there just so we can pick up 
any Senate seats too, but it's not, it's not all that likely. Um, and I'm being rather conservative because if I, if I just started saying like, yeah, we're going to start sweeping everything, then I wouldn't be realistic. Uh, there are still millions of people that are going to turn out for Donald Trump. So I have to account for that in some way. Uh, Ohio, I have Ohio going to Donald Trump. He's up by four or five right now. That's just, you know, I, I, I've always been told that the way Ohio goes, the way the election goes, I don't really buy that paradigm anymore. I, I look at it more as, um, there's other, there's other States that would tell. And I think Pennsylvania really is the key, uh, of the election, which, you know, maybe because I'm living, I live here, but it's more than that too. It really is that Pennsylvania is the key. But before we go there, the, I would say the last like swing that I changed towards Trump in this election was the one I mentioned earlier. And that's Michigan. Michigan is totally up in the air. Michigan is not something I feel great about. Michigan is some, is a place where I don't feel like secured by the polls and it is the closest of those three states um pennsylvania michigan and wisconsin so i'm going to just say conservatively and you know this is just saying like you know if you're if we were taking a bet michigan is is possibly the one state of the three that goes to trump now all of those being said i still have pennsylvania leaning blue Pennsylvania, like I said last week, is about seven percentage points, maybe six. It's probably going to be be closer. It's going to end up being closer towards Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden pulls it off. And I think if that's the case, we can pick up some House seats. We can pick up um, some other uh, state seats that are important for Pennsylvania. I'm not. I don't. It, this this could concern you if if you're watching this, but I'm not, I'm not secure in saying that. Yes, definitely. Biden has Pennsylvania. I think he's, I think he's got it, but like, I'm going to be out this weekend making sure. And you should too, if you live in Pennsylvania, it's, it's close. Um, and then Wisconsin, I actually have locked up, towards Biden. I have that as a pretty solid, really Biden state that leaves, you know, Virginia, New York. I also have Maine very solidly blue, um, New Hampshire, Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, uh, Minnesota, Illinois, all these states are Joe Biden. So in my projection for the 2020 election, I have Joe Biden becoming the next president with a 280 uh, to 190 electoral vote lead. You need 270 to win. I gave him 280. Uh, I think that's rather conservative. I want to make sure that we look at it not through a Democratic lens or a Republican lens, but through a realistic lens. I think that there there are going to be some upset upset states um and i think we have to be ready for that and i think that we have to be ready for election results not to be ready on election night which means the only reason why it wouldn't be ready is that if biden doesn't blow trump out which is what my projection says 
um, you know, a 90 point, a 90 election, uh, elector vote lead seems like a lot, but that could very easily with the swing of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, um, you know, that could very easily lead to a, a, a swing the other way. I think if Donald Trump doesn't win at least two of the three in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, um, then I think he's done. And I think he's especially done if he doesn't win Florida. I think Florida is a must win for Donald Trump. And if, if some, if somehow Joe Biden pulls out Texas, I think it's a lock. I think it's game over for Donald Trump. So that's my prediction. That is the 2020 preview election. Uh, Sorry, that is the preview of the 2020 election of the Con O Show. If you agree, leave a comment down below. If you disagree, also leave a comment down below and let me know what your prediction says. I would like to um, compare and contrast if you disagree with me. Um, hopefully it's in a good way. It's Hopefully it's in a, hey, goes towards Biden way. But if it's not, let me know. Um, if there are specific um, issues or states that you think I have wrong, feel free to let me know. With that being said, this is the last episode before the 2020 election day. I expect to be talking about this next week. I'm not sure what I will be covering next week, but be ready between now and next week to get out in the streets and protect our rights, protect the sanctity of this election. It is important. We, we must protect it. We must be a vanguard for the vote. With all that being said, thank you guys so much for taking this journey with me. Um, you can follow the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Con O'Hanlon on Twitter. You can follow the YouTube show. Hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up, leave comments, all that good stuff. You can listen to the audio show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts both of them through the uh, apps thank you guys so much I hope I get to talk to you next week with some good news um, stay safe stay cheery use the anxiety to work and let's finish this fight I will see you guys next week peace <laughs>